this week on the Divided Opinion Podcast. Should we get into it, Westy? Yeah, let's go. Do you think maybe that he can't, might have got lucky with the, the crop of players that he came through in? Yeah, I think we'll put him in B because obviously he's career-wise you probably look at everyone on the list and he's probably had a better career than almost everyone on there but I mean it's a top class defender but when you look at the other players we've got on this list I don't think he's near the top you do, you do see you even watch now he's 31 32 I mean he's in the He's almost coming into the twilight years of his career and I still, like you say, there's not probably one player in world football that would fancy themselves one-on-one with him. Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Divided Opinion podcast. Hopefully it won't be unlucky 13. How are we today, Westy? Yeah, good, mate. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, always look forward to a, a tier list episode, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, so it's been the international break this week. I'm sure you guys know. Or well, the last two weeks, actually over now. Thank God. Um, we're not even going to give it the time of day. The two two games for England, Albania and San Marino. I did watch the Albania game. I watched snippets of the San Marino game. But it's just nothing you can take from them games either, West. I, I, I personally believe, anyway. It doesn't no. matter what we win by. No, well, you can take a lot from it if you're Harry Maguire. Um. <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Give us your thoughts on shushing or silencing the haters after scoring against Albania. It's um, It, it, it was embarrassing. I mean, uh, you, I think people listening to this probably know and you know I've always sort of defended him and I'm a big fan of his, but the way he's been performing for for the club I support anyway, United this season, the the celebration it, I always I, I've I've been saying since it happened, like fair he needs to do that at United and fair enough if he'd done that celebration after he'd scored maybe the the winner next weekend at, at Stamford Bridge to beat Chelsea. I mean, it would be fine because but like you say, against Albania, I mean I'm not, I'm not really sure what he was thinking. Who was it directed at, do you think? Who was he silencing? Was it Roy Keane? Was it the fans? Well, Roy Keane came came for him at half-time after it, so I, I don't think it'd be Roy Keane, but... But Roy Keane did go after them all, didn't he, uh, like after the game? Yeah. Like after the after the City game? I think maybe... I'd probably say a lot of it was probably aimed at his own fans. You think? Yeah. Obviously, How does that make you feel? He's never going to say... Well, I mean, he can't. I'm sure he wasn't aiming it at me. I mean, if he's if he's seen my yeah. support from <laughs> you him specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I don't think there's anyone that has sung the praises of Maguire and defended his corner quite like you, to be honest. Other than his brothers on Twitter, yeah, yeah. So today, guys, we're going to be doing another tier list, and obviously, all good things come in freeze. So we're going to finish off the trilogy of the greatest or ranking the greatest Premier League players by position. We've obviously done attackers, we've done midfielders, 
And now we're going to be doing defenders and goalkeepers. All in one episode, one bumper episode for you guys. Yeah, uh, are you looking forward to this, West? What, um, in terms of defender, what, what makes a great defender for you? What are the kind of attributes you're going to be looking at today? Um, well, obviously, obvious quality on the pitch. I mean, thing, ability, and what they brought to their teams in terms of what they can give. So, well, being a great defender on its own. But in, in terms of, are you going to be looking at? Premier League titles are you going to be looking at longevity are you going to be looking at leadership is what make what makes a centre back for you um if you're building your perfect centre back what do you want um well obviously longevity and and sort of club and personal honours all come massively into play um because to me every great team is built on the foundations of a great defence um but obviously there's going to be some people on this list that maybe weren't as successful in terms of winning things, but are still great defenders, and I suppose we'll we'll get into it. We comparing players, but do you like do you prefer a ball playing centre back, or do you like do you prefer like a, uh, a like an old fashioned? You know what I mean, like a Terry that kind of a centre back. Because obviously you are a centre back by trade, mate. So you know you've got a lot of insight. Um, obviously you see centre backs now, and in today's game you sort of need a bit of everything, don't you? And there's not many centre backs around that will make it anymore if they're just the old style sort of centre back that doesn't really fit into the modern game. But I do, yeah, I do love a an old fashioned, no nonsense, hit Rosette if you need to centre back. But obviously, one that can do it all is is the ideal sort of player. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to be discussing a, a fair few of them today. Uh, we, yeah, just to let you know, guys, know we're going to be doing centre backs and full backs in one. Uh, we're using a a tier list that someone else has made, but we've also taken a note of some other ones that we want to include. Uh, we have, obviously, these are the greatest defenders, so there aren't really any bad names on this list, but not bad, so to speak, but less, maybe someone with a less lesser footballing pedigree. They, they may, might not be on this list, but we will be including them later on. Because uh, it's not all about play, playing for the top teams, is it? It's it's about Premier League. Some people have had an unbelievable Premier League, Premier League careers that have spent the whole career fighting relegation and obviously they still there's, yeah, there's different achievements um, should we get into it Westy? yeah let's go so just yeah just to clarify for you guys the we've gone for A, B, C, D, E in in our in our categories this time because last time we, we had the obviously I think it was greatest elite decent best of the rest and overrated but we just found that by labelling the players, it was quite difficult to put them. It was quite difficult to put a player in overrated because it was just they were obviously these are all great players within their right. So doing this, it makes it a little bit less um, controversial, shall we say? Right. So the first player we've got on our list, one of the greatest fullbacks of all time, one of the greatest defenders of all time, Ashley Cole. Where are you looking towards here, Westy mate? Um, I think there's anyone category for him would you say yeah I think so and it doesn't even, I think it's the top one yeah it doesn't even need to be said really I mean the best fullback the Premier League's ever seen and the best one of the best defenders England's ever produced as a country I mean he'd, he'd walk into most most of the greatest teams of all time yeah I think that's it as well is that he's not only one of the best Premier League fullbacks of all time he's not only the one of the best 
English fullbacks of all time. He put, could possibly be the best left back of all time. Yeah, 100%. If we put him in that, that category of, like you were saying earlier, like the Cafus, Roberta Carlos's, that kind of ilk of player. And yeah, there really is not much else to say, is there? No. What a player. Who's who have we got next on the list, West? Because I don't recognise him. He's got a he's got a United shirt on. Uh, we've got Dennis Irwin. I've heard good nothing but good things about Dennis Irwin. Again, right up there for me in that in that top list. Such an integral part of such a, so many of Man United's greatest years in the nineties under Ferguson. Um, obviously, the Premier League titles in the nineties coming. When we hadn't won one for so many years, and then obviously the treble winning season. Uh, I mean, and he was just such a great player. I mean, obviously, I wasn't really born when he was playing, but obviously things you watch back and everything you hear, and the way he's talked about still by current players and ex players. I mean, I well, think... the likes of Neville and Keane, they they put him in their greatest Premier League teams, don't they? Yeah, he was an unbelievable player. I mean, probably Manchester United's greatest ever fullback, probably for sure. But obviously, with this list, obviously these are the gr- these are all greatest in their own right. Is he going in that top tier? Yeah, he has to. Yeah, you think one hundred percent. But just look at all the other. When, it's not a disrespect to put them B, C, D, E. Like they're all good. No, no, honestly, mate. So he's this, going in top. This guy, yeah, yeah, who's some unbelievable. Right, he's player. going in top then. If you if you're fighting his case so so passionately, be careful though, because look look at the list. Yeah, There's a lot of players here that could get integrated. Yeah, top, yeah, right. of course. But Dennis Irwin better than all the other fullbacks on there, without a doubt. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Gary Neville. Gary Neville. Now, do you, do we think with Gary Neville, and this is this is just me playing devil's advocate? Do you think maybe that he got he can't, might have got lucky with the the crop of players that he came through in, maybe, or did he make that look himself? Because. I don't think Gary Neville would would um, be offended if I said that he we wasn't the most technically gifted player, wasn't it? Was he? And he was a player that relied on his mentality and his commitment to the game. And he obviously had an elite, elite mentality, possibly one of the best mentalities on this list. What are you thinking for Gary Neville? Yeah, it's difficult for Gary Neville because, like, he's even admitted himself that. He was never as talented or technically gifted as any of the players in in his academy at United, and I think I remember him saying that he looked at other people in his team when he when he was coming through the ranks and people like Paul Scholes, David Beckham, and and thought to himself, if that's the bar that I've got to, I've got to get myself to, then I'm never going to make it. Um, so he had to put in extra work and extra hours on the training ground and work harder than everyone else because he had to make up for the the lack of technical ability and talent he didn't have and but yeah. but I mean the way he made up for it, I mean, to say it was he did have a lucky crop of players around him, but there's only a certain amount of luck you can have when you sort of stay in that part of that Manchester United winning sort of machine for twenty, twenty five years, I mean Yeah, and and how how many players do we see like if if you I think a lot of people kind of get mixed up when they they see a player playing in a team whether it whether it be a Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United an elite setup they see a player that might not be catching grabbing the headlines they might not be 
scoring wonder goals or the, the person that sticks in your mind after watching a performance. But I can tell you now that a team like that United team, a team like the, the City teams of now, if you're not at that level, you get exposed. Yeah. You don't, you don't like, even if you're not at the, the te- maybe you might not be at the technical ability level, but in terms of just ability and being able to offer something to the team, it's quickly apparent when a player isn't at that level. So Gary Neville would have, would have been exposed if he wasn't a good enough player. He obviously was. Yeah. Um, I reckon it's a tricky one. I reckon, yeah. Because, but the issue is as well with Gary Neville is that the Premier League, there isn't that many good right-backs really, is there, on offer? No. Like, if you look back at the history of right-backs in the Premier League, there obviously are some outstanding players, but there isn't an Ashley Cole that sticks out as the greatest and a, a, like a tiers above everyone else. Yeah, and I think that's probably how how he sort of prolonged his Manchester United career for so long because we never really had a another sort of right back close to his level throughout the whole time he was at United and it always seemed like he was Mr. Reliable and we didn't really need to bring anyone else in. I mean, latter years of his career, we brought in sort of Fabio and Raphael and they sort of gave a new youthful approach and let him rest some games and obviously... Yeah. Play for as they long. were good for rotation, weren't they? Yeah, they were good players, and they could. It, it made him probably play for a few more years longer. But um, he he was definitely. Um, I don't know. Was, am, am I wrong in saying was Neville another one that retired fairly early from international duty? Or would that um, I don't. I might be completely wrong. I think he he retired after the 2006 World Cup, and so I wouldn't say so he did have a fair few years left in him. Yeah, I think he retired in 2011 from football. and So five years prior to that, he retired from international. Um, probably not, 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 not stupidly early, but um, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think he's I think he's a great example of a lot of them players in that sort of golden generation where maybe they weren't as appreciated as they should have been and they couldn't really... The, the managers never really found... Like Paul Scholes, they never, Michael Carrick, they never really fitted these players into the team probably the best as they, they could have done. And, and uh, Yeah, I think as well, when you're a player like Neville and the trophies that he won, and the fact is, if, if he could extend his career by a couple of seasons, that's club career, he would have won, he's guaranteed to have added a couple more trophies. Whereas if you look at the England team and the way it was going... It didn't look like there was ever going to be a time when they actually were going to get a return on their on their international duty in terms of a trophy or something like that. It did hit kind of a just a bit of a, a point where it, it was clear that that golden generation just wasn't going to work, was it? No, like it just it never really it never got going. And if you're a player like Neville, what are you going to take? Are you going to play international duty for longer and probably not win a trophy, or do you have a couple more seasons with United? Or you can get a couple, maybe another league title under your belt. I think it's wise, isn't it? I think with with Neville, I completely understand. And but yeah, you want to prolong that that playing career. Yeah, and I think people like Neville. I mean, I think that even other players from sort of Chelsea and Arsenal in that golden generation spoke about how maybe it didn't work as well as it could have done because it was such there were so many little clicks going on. Like you see the England dressing room of now, and it seems even though they're all rivals in their own club respects. I mean, week yeah. in, week out, they're fighting for Premier League titles and other trophies. and But they seem so together and like they're almost a club side. That's how well yeah. they know each other. But maybe that's why 
you could imagine someone like Gary Neville would have been far more focused on having a great club career at Manchester United rather than enjoying his time with England and that probably held him back a little bit as long, along with other players in that team it's well documented isn't it the the rivalries and the the cliques that were going on within that squad anyway I think we could talk we can sit and talk about the golden generation forever um so Gary Neville where where are we putting Gary Neville I'd probably right. maybe B list. Uh, do you think? Oh, I just it, it doesn't feel right to me not having him in the top tier just off what he achieved. But yeah. then again, you have to look at this and think these are all these are all all time. They've already done. They've already got into that greatest category by getting on this list. Yeah. So we're not disrespecting a player by putting him in B. Maybe B. We can come back to it later, can't we? Yeah, I think we'll put him in B because obviously, is career-wise, he's probably look at everyone on the list and he's probably had a better career than almost everyone on there in terms but of winning think, things for you is, is Dennis Irwin above Gary Neville in terms of ability and as a player much much higher but then again we are talking about Premier League here aren't we we're we talking about and is there a player that had has won as many Premier League titles as Gary Neville is there I think Scholes has, has Scholes got the most Scholes has got one more than Neville actually yeah. I I think we have to go Neville in the top one to be honest. Uh, I I don't I think irrelevant of ability. We're talking about Premier League all-time Premier League defenders here. Yeah, we'll we'll get him in that top one. Neville gets in the, in my opinion Neville gets in the greatest Premier League exile of all time. I'm looking at this list though and it's going to be hard to leave a lot of what well, any of them out of this sort of great the top two tiers, but isn't that, it? That's the point that I was making in terms of I'm thinking with Dennis Irwin, maybe, how long did he play in the Premier League? Um, a, a long time, I mean, played from United from the start of the sort of Premier League up until 2002-2003, won multiple Premier League titles, Champions Leagues, part of the treble winning team. So, let me just have a look at his honours. So yeah, Dennis Irwin. Premier Leagues, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Premier League titles. You can't argue with that. He definitely had a Premier League, uh, <laughs> uh, an unbelievable Premier League career. I just, we will we'll stick with Erwin in, in top. It's hard for me because I didn't see him play. I know everyone raves about him. Anyway, should we move on? Because we need to try and fly through these. <laughs> We've spent yeah. um, around 20 minutes talking about Gary Neville. Gary Pallister. <laughs> Again, another player that you'll have to educate me on. I mean, a brilliant, brilliant player. I mean, it's. I don't want to keep coming across like um with this man, massive Manchester United bias, but I think people that know football and watched and will have known about Gary Pallister will all agree. I mean, uh, but there's always as just sticking on what you just said there. There's always going to be when we're talking about Premier League all-time tier lists. Man United are always going to be in the conversation. They've dominated the Premier League era. They have. It doesn't matter what fan you are of what team. You can't argue with that. Like. Yeah, you you can't argue with that, so I won't worry about it too much. But yeah, what 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 was tell us about Gary Pallister, the player, and then we'll try and ascertain where he needs to go on this list. A versatile defender, um, could play left back. Uh, mostly applied his trade as a centre back. Um, he was he was so quick as well. I mean, he was a massive part of Manchester United's success in the nineties. Um, didn't sort of carry on as long into the early 2000s like Dennis Irwin or certain other players but I mean he was just a, a top player I mean 
but um, it's, then again, it's ability. Where what, does he rank amongst the other United players we've got on this list? Near the bottom? No, no, right, right up but there. That's not a bad. Right up there, honestly. But, but if you look at the other United defenders we've got on this list, I'm obviously not talking about Gent in general. But for me, probably he goes in B category. B. Okay. Still a, a top, top player, but then again, like you say, that this B category, I mean, even if you're in the E category in this list. Right, so Pallister goes into B. We're putting a lot of trust in you here, West. I mean, just look at what we won in the 90s and then it makes it all up for yourselves, really, doesn't it? Jamie Carragher. I think, again, another player that doesn't rank, in terms of ability, but I mean, it's a top-class defender before I, before I go into anything, but... When you look at the other players we've got on this list, I don't think he's near the top. Uh, unbelievable career, obviously loyal to Liverpool. Again, I think internationally he he struggled just purely because of the players he had ahead of him. Um, for me, Jamie Carragher is is floating around the the C and D categories. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's it's always difficult when you're judging. Liverpool players through his generation because obviously they they had some great teams but they never really achieved anything did they in Europe yeah. in Europe they were brilliant and they sort of dominate they've always sort of dominated Europe Liverpool I mean six Champions League titles is enough to tell you that but in the Premier League yeah it's difficult because Carragher was as much as a good defender he was and he was sort of that more of the old fashioned style wasn't he the no nonsense centre back yeah not amazing on the ball but obviously a top there defender a in his own there wasn't a particular attribute was there you look at him and think yeah he was world class at that no like he was across the board a very good player and the, the the thing is as well going into an episode like this I look at some of the players and I think when I was watching these players I wasn't analysing them as much as I do players nowadays so if if I come out with a few hot takes, just trust that it was coming from a time where I didn't watch football as closely. Because so, I'm sure that a, a, some Liverpool fan could turn around to me and say, Jamie Carragher's outstanding this, outstanding that, or whatever. I didn't get... I obviously watched a lot of Jamie Carragher, but when I used to watch him, I wasn't particularly blown away by any particular attribute. I, don't, I can't remember him being unbelievable on the ball. Just... But still outstanding. Still had an outstanding Premier League career. And him and Neville are prime examples of two players that commitment and 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 belief in yourself and mentality can get you a long way. Maybe less so nowadays. Do you think that these kind of players, the Neville's and Carragher's, they're a, a thing of thing of the past, really? Um, yeah, I, th- I think you'd be you'd be right in saying that. I mean. There's not many plays you look at now where they are old school, sort of old fashioned defenders. I mean, you probably go down the a bit lower down in the Premier League table and look at some of the plays in in their in them teams, and you've got a bit more of that old old school style. But you just see a lot of it now. I mean, it's such a it's such a changed game in the last ten, even ten years. It's changed so much, and everyone now yeah. is just required. And it, it all stems through just academy systems and everything. Everything. They're almost all built like robots now, footballers, where they're just drilled into being good at everything. You've got to be good on the ball. You've you've got to be athletic. You've got to be tall. You've, I mean... Yeah, that's it. If you looked at a Neville and Carragher coming through the academy ranks, I mean, you look at Neville as a fullback, 
not particularly quick. I mean, he could move. Not particularly big, not particularly athletic. And and, and then you look at Carragher as a centre-back, not particularly tall, not particularly quick. Like, would they even have made the grade at an academy level? Because nowadays, these clubs are just pinpointing players that they know are going to grow into a an outstanding athlete. I mean, Carl Walker's on the list, and he's a prime example of that. But defenders nowadays, there's so much more is, is expected of them. Yeah. You can't go into a team and just just do that one particular job which these players did. You're expected to be outstanding on the ball. You're expected to be an athlete. I mean, you look at some of the centre-backs of today and defenders of today. It's, it's outrageous. I think football is definitely changing. We've, we've seen a change. Um, just going back to Carragher then, where are you thinking before we we ascertain where we're going to put him? I think I'd probably go for C. You think C? Yeah. All right, we'll go for C for now. Up next, we've got John Terry. John Terry. I mean, wow. What what a centre-back. Do we even Possibly, need to talk about him? I mean, what a, what a player. And I think he often gets tarnished with that being the, the old-school centre-back, which he was, and he had all the qualities of a classic old-school centre-back. But he was unbelievable on the ball as well. Yeah. And so confident in possession and just had the ability to... To see the pitch and play passes, not the easy passes, and clip them into fullbacks, and yeah, what do you want to say about John Terry? I think there's um, only one category for him. Yeah, I just echo everything you said. There. There's not really more you can say about him. Um, I mean, came through the ranks. He was at he was at West Ham, wasn't he? He, he was at yeah, he was at West Ham in his youth career, but he didn't play any senior games for West Ham. Yeah, so I mean, John Terry, he's just. He's sort of epitomised. He is Chelsea FC, isn't he? I mean, he epitomised yeah. everything about Chelsea. I mean, I mean, look, look at look what the club was in the eighties and nineties. I mean, an absolute shadow of the club they are now, and the powerhouse in Europe and in England. Um, and he was sort of that first real. Um, so he was sort of the identity of Chelsea coming through when Mourinho came in. Um, with that a great season in the O four, O five seasons, O five, O six. Um and he just sort of it just seemed like he almost carried Chelsea to so much success throughout his career. I mean, obviously he had great players around him all the time. They constantly evolved Chelsea and they still do now with new managers and new new systems and new players coming through. But John Terry just seemed sort of ever present and he was just sort of the stalwart in everything that epitomised Chelsea. Yeah, so uh, Terry was at Chelsea just before the the Abramovich takeover, and he so Abramovich took over in two thousand three, and Terry was got got to Chelsea, so he started at Chelsea. He played his first game at Chelsea for nineteen ninety eight. Was in the academy from nineteen ninety five. Um, he partnered uh, another centre back on this list, Marcel Desailly. So yeah, Terry was there before the the Abram- Abramovich stuff. So he really was part of the. The, the old, he, he experienced the old Chelsea and then through to what they are today and what we know them as today. Because I think, yeah, people don't really, I think a lot of people see, and Chelsea are a massive club now and ever since Abramovich has come in, they've established themselves as that. Um, but Ch- Chelsea weren't the, t- the powerhouse they once were, were they? No. And just like you said, and yeah, I think with John Terry, there's only so much you can say about the guy into the top category without doubt. Yeah. 
should we we'll come back to a debate around Terry and whether he is possibly the greatest player on this list later on uh, up next we've got Colo Torre obviously part of the Invincibles uh, are you where are you thinking with Colo Torre where does he rank for you amongst the, the greatest defenders of all time I mean in the Premier League I mean in terms of his CV I mean it's right up there I mean just saying you're part of the Invincibles team is is enough to get on any list I think um but it, it didn't stop there with Torre. I mean, he sort of, for me, sort of maybe gets overlooked a little bit in, in terms of the player he was because of all maybe some of the other players we've got on this list and people often forget about Colo Torre. Um, because I think ma- as well, the character he was as well. The character. He was, he was such a character on the pit. And yeah, the, the latter years in there, all like the sort of, all and then his brother came along to the Premier League, Yaya. And it sort of overshadowed everything that, Colo Torre had done and people just sort of focused on Yaya Torre when he was in his prime at Manchester City and but people forget how good Colo Torre was part of some great Arsenal teams and obviously won the, won the Premier League title at Manchester City as well yeah yeah he obviously had a bit of a disappointing patch at Liverpool yeah um, that that was near the tail end of his career and I think it would be unfair to to judge him on that time For me, and obviously he's at Leicester now Colo He's part of Brendan Rodgers' backroom staff. Obviously, played, finished his career at Celtic under Rodgers, and then moved into a coaching side. Yeah, with Colo Torre, I'm, I'm, I'm looking towards the probably the B's and C's category. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'd probably say B would be respectable for Colo Torre. Yeah, we'll we'll put him in B. Obviously, these aren't set these positions. So once as we go along and we see if some if if different tears are getting clogged up or we feel like we need to rejig around we can do so um do you want to talk about yap stam now yeah um from again another player and with these kind of episodes i'm aware that my history my football history kind of knowledge does get exposed somewhat um yap stam and just another player that i've seen highlights of and i've heard about him a colossal a colossal center half am i right in saying yeah i mean Unbelievable player, just a scary bloke as well. Yapstam, and just looking at him, just imagine yeah. facing up against him and back in his heyday. I mean, but he goes straight into the top category for me. I just mean, for the kind of the younger listeners at home and, and me as well. Yeah, who would you kind of compare Yapstam to if a, if a player nowadays? Um, it's a difficult one because, like you say, the way football's evolved now over the past 10, 20 years. We are losing this the old old school no nonsense defender, and that's very much what Yapstam was. I mean, you could maybe with his size and his sort of defensive ability, maybe sort of compare him to someone a bit like Virgil Van Dijk, but probably not as technically gifted as Virgil Van Dijk on the ball. And but just a player of his own, really. I mean, it's he was just sort of that. He just epitomised old school defender you know what I mean I mean we keep referring to it but it, there is such a massive difference in a defender you see nowadays playing in the Premier League to what you would see in the 90s and the early 2000s even going into maybe eight or nine years ago it's changed so much yeah. football hasn't it have I heard before that was there did it go sour or something near the end yeah. of his United career yeah he, le- he left on bad terms I mean he still had good years left in him as well when he, sh- he left United a lot 
sort of sooner than he probably should have. He fell out of Ferguson yeah. um, mm. over some sort of texts and about him leaving the club and stuff. And it went, but I mean, that's the thing with Ferguson. It, a lot of players, it, it did end sourly. I think you can even ask Roy Keane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, he, yeah. Ferguson, there was, it was his way or the highway, weren't it? Yeah. That's how it worked at United. Um, so, yep, Stam, yeah, you're going to have to make a call on this. Are we going in top tier? Top tier. Okay. Now, next player on the list, and a player that I think divides opinion. Obviously, Carl Walker is the, the player in question. And just in my opinion, it's a hard one with, with Carl Walker because I wonder whether sometimes I think he, he, he hides behind his athletic ability and the pace that he has. It, it, I mean, he can catch up any player in world football. And it kind of masks some of his mistakes sometimes. I think he is prone to a mistake. I think on the ball, technically, I think he's pretty average, Kyle Walker. Yeah. I've got to be honest. He's, he's playing in a. He's obviously playing in an outstanding team and a team that does rely on ball playing ability. So he would have been exposed if he was bad in that area. But I just don't think he is that. That I just don't think he's that great. If I'm honest, I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, especially when you when you compare him to some of the defenders on this list, I don't think he could lace the boots of some of the players we're discussing. No, I, think, I mean, I agree with you on the the offensive side of his game. I mean, when you compare him even now to current players like Trent Alexander-Arnold, I mean, he's he's not even in the same breath of air, is he? I mean, no. it's it's a difficult one because, like you say, his, his recovery speed and his strength and his athleticism like he is the perfect athlete and you yeah. do, you do see you even watch now he's 31 32 i mean he's in the he's almost coming into the twilight years of his career and i still like you say there's not probably one player in world football that would fancy themselves one on one with him and that is right. such a such a massive attribute to have i mean just a mental sort of uh boat and you obviously you can't discount that can you no of course not like to have that in your team I mean, basically, one side of the pitch is voided when it comes to sort of wingers attacking you. You've, they've almost got to go down the other side. Um, yeah, and sorry to just interrupt you as well, but also if you look at a player that isn't on this list, but I think in a few years' time, if he stays in the Premier League, should definitely be, is João Cancelo. I think yeah. you could argue is possibly the, the greatest right-back in the world at, the, at this point, definitely yeah. in the conversation. And he came in, and couldn't get ahead of Carl Walker. So that surely tells you a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course he's... I mean, just look at the stuff he's won over the past few years at City and some of the teams he's been with. And like you say, Pep Guardiola, he's a manager that... And you say, if you, if you, if you aren't at the level, you will get exposed and you'll get shipped out. And Pep Guardiola, since he's come in, has not been shy in letting certain people know if they're not in his plans. Look at what he did with Joe, no. Joe Hart. I mean, he got rid of him, bought in... Was it Bravo? Yeah. Because he wanted him to do a job. He wasn't up for it. And after a few months of that, he went and splashed another £60 million on Edison. So, Carl Walker would have been long gone out of the City team if he wasn't at the level required. And I think it just shows as well just how much of a weapon he is because he's just a pleasure for any manager, really, because you know you have that. It's a kind of an ace card, isn't it? Yeah. That if you get exposed, Carl Walker, there's a good chance that Carl Walker will his recovery speed will be able to sort it out. Um I'm 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 looking towards C if I'm honest here. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think... And, I'd go with that. And and I'm not discounting his ability, and I think any team would, would be delighted to have him in their team, but I just think... I personally, when I as a footballer, I'm not. I've never been particularly impressed by Carl Walker. No, I his footballing ability. Um, right. So we'll move on now to Ledley King. I think, I, I again, this could be a hot take because when I watched Ledley King in his prime, I wasn't watching football as closely as I did, as I do now. Sorry, but I think Ledley King is almost like. He's eight. Like for some reason, that the longer we go on, people talk about how good he was, and I feel feel like he's he's almost like aged better. Like, yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't remember him being that great. Am I? I mean, Spurs fans, educate me. Am I wrong? I mean, I don't remember too much of Ledley King. Obviously, you, you hear sort of fans and even sort of uh, current and ex pros talking about him, and they all seem to sing his praises. And there's obviously a reason for that. And bits I've seen from him, he was obviously a great defender, played for England. And But I think maybe the impression I get of Ledley King was obviously injuries didn't help his development or his career. Maybe he could have had yeah. a... And also, I mean, don't want any Tottenham fans to go mad at me, but staying at Tottenham, his loyalty to Tottenham was probably the downfall in his career because someone yeah. of his quality, and he was obviously highly regarded by lots of other clubs, and playing for England, he could have gone on and signed for a, a Manchester United, a, an Arsenal in that time. Obviously, Arsenal would have been a... He wouldn't have ever gone there due to his loyalty mm. to Tottenham, but Chelsea's anyone. And he could have gone somewhere else and won a lot of things and probably be regarded a lot higher than he is now. But And and Spurs weren't the the team they became with like Pochettino and stuff. Oh, they were low, a lot yeah, they lower were, down in Spur- the Ledley King days. Yeah, I mean, you could argue now Tottenham, is st- people still think Tottenham are, are sort of a laughing stock, don't they? That it's always Spursy mm. and sort of typical Tottenham. But even, you go back 15, 20 years, they were they were far, far worse off than they are now yeah. in terms of just, they, they weren't good Tottenham Hotspur. No, that, they, they were... Like getting into the Champions League was a was an unbelievable achievement for them at that at that stage. Yeah. And now we're almost at a point where Spurs. I think everyone believes that they should be challenging for Champions League every season. With Ledley King, I don't want to. This is like I, I understand that certain fan bases you hold players dear, and I'd love a Spurs fan to just educate me on what Ledley King was and what he meant to Spurs. But for me, I'm I'm leaning towards C. I don't know about you. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's, it, like you said as well, he's let down regardless of ability, but let down by what he won. And he didn't obviously win a Premier League title. Yeah. Marcel Desailly is the next player on this list. Obviously, he played for Chelsea, uh, was a World Cup winner as well. Um, I've got an interesting story, actually. My dad used to work with Marcel Desailly's cousin. You basically best mates then. Yeah, friends in high places, mate. So I, I assume you're going to be putting him right up there. Well, <laughs> seeing as though he's pretty much family, yeah, I've got to I've got to look after him really. Um, so yeah, I'm just looking here as some of the honours that he won. Obviously, FIFA World Cup winner, European Championship winner. Um, in terms of he obviously he won the cha- he won the Champions League with Marseille in yeah. 1992. 
That's an unbelievable achievement. And won I'll... the Champions League again with AC Milan. But we're, obviously we're looking at Premier League here. But... Obviously the that Champions League win with Marseille was was huge. Um, yeah. It was against AC Milan in the final. Um, but it was all sort of tarnished. I don't know if people remember by the the corruption scandal the following year. In Mars in um the Marseille president who's actually recently just died and can't remember his name actually. But I don't, I don't actually know that, mate. You'd be educating me on that. He's a uh, let me get let me get his name up and I'll uh, tell you a bit more about him. This is it, Bern Bernard Tappy. Yeah. Um, he was the Marseille president when Marcel Desailly had, was playing for Marseille and when they won the Champions League. Yeah, obviously it was a massive achievement at the time. Um, I think it was, they were the first French club to win it, the European Cup. Um, but only a few months down the line, um, they were it, he got found guilty of match fixing. So in a league one game against Valenciennes, I believe they are, they're called. Um, so Desailly was found guilty. No, no, the the president. <laughs> say, say, incriminate Desailly on on our podcast. <laughs> This this is set in stone. So Bernard Tappy, he um, was found match fixing in a in a league one game, and basically they were playing Valencia, and, and he sort of agreed to. I'm I'm not sure what the the fix was. I've not really read that much into it, but yeah. I think it happened to be a draw or one one draw, which somehow helped both sides in their league positions. Uh, but okay. but the players weren't really aware of it. So obviously, Marcel Desi, I think he scored the winning goal in that European Cup final, and then just a few months later, it was all sort of tarnished, and uh, there was people that sort of almost trying to get it taken off them. And yeah. but he's actually he was he was actually seen as he, he's still seen as sort of like a god and sort of like a legend in in French football. And oh, he, yeah, I'm not surprised. And he passed away of last month, I think. Oh, I thought you were talking about Desi. Oh no, no, Bert, no, no. But that's just a sort of when you mentioned yeah, that, no. that Champions League final it. That, right. it brought it back a little memory I remember watching it on a football years yeah. that's interesting that and no one can say that divided opinion isn't educational no. I mean that's what a gem that is from you Westy French. just going back to Desai though um, moved to Chelsea 4.6 million in 1998 which is a it's a big transfer fee for back then um, played sweeper centre back um, and do you want to know something interesting? He never won a Premier League title. In six seasons at Chelsea, he won an FA Cup and that was it. Does that mean he ranks lower on this list? Well, I don't know, you know, you've got to... You've I got, think... You've I, got to take in ability as well, haven't you? I mean, the player he was. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you just... You look at the other things that he's won. Yeah. Two Champions Leagues and a World Cup. European Championship. So we go in round B for this. Yeah, I think B. So Desai goes into the second category. Uh, we'll try and we'll try and speed up a little bit. Yeah. Um, well. Martin Keown, another uh, well, an, an Arsenal player on this list. Should we put Tony Adams and Martin Keown together? Yeah, let's speak about them. So, we, yeah, so we've got Martin Keown and Tony Adams uh, played together. Uh, Keown was an invincible. Um, I've heard. Alan Shearer, and I think the best way to find out about these players is find out what the likes of Shearer, players like that, that were marked by these players. And 
Shearer said that Tony Adams was the toughest player he ever played against. Yeah. Tony Adams has got a... I think he goes straight into the top category for me. Yeah, I, I don't think we should hang around on these two. No. So Tony Adams will go into the top category. Uh, and then Martin Keown, what are you thinking there? I'm thinking more B for Martin Keown. Okay. A great defender in his own right. But, I mean... I think he was just a little bit below the level of sort of like the Tony Adams, the John Terry's, that's them sort of calibre of player. Yeah. All right, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, we'll put him into B. Right, so next on the list, we've got another fullback, another left back, Patrice Evra. Now, a great left back. Great at going forward, great at going back. Uh, obviously, won numerous Premier League titles, won the Champions League, and was a massive part of that Fergie era. And, Am I right in saying that you picked him up for a bit of a steal, didn't you? Yeah, from Monaco, I think it was around six, six and a half million pounds, I think. Yeah, just a classic Fergie signing that, wasn't it? Yeah. And there's another man on this list that was a was a bargain as well. Well, I, I well yeah. I to remember. No, well, Nemanja, well, it's a funny one, that really, because Nemanja Vidic and uh, Evra were actually signed in the same window. So, yeah. so they were both bought in for like a combined fee for of about 11 million, I mean absolute pennies especially now but they actually I think they both started the about they'd been at the club about a month or two and they started a Manchester derby away and this is when we're talking when this is when City weren't were nowhere near the powerhouse they were now they were the very much the noisy neighbours yeah. back then and they battered us 3-1 free, free I think at the Etihad well I think it was called the City of Manchester Stadium then and re, um Patrice Everest said told a funny story about how him and Nemanja Vidic both got dragged at half time and sat in the change rooms and they were just saying like we need to get out of here as soon as possible. Like we, we cannot play in English football, like we're getting battered here. I mean, even Nemanja Vidic was saying this, like he was getting bullied by people like Paul Dickov and uh, <laughs> Sean Gota. And and it's just funny how they they were talking about this and then Ferguson sat them both down and just basically took them out the firing line, didn't play them for a few weeks, and then look at what they both came on to achieve at United. I mean, it's probably just, if anything, just highlights the the brilliance of man management when it comes to Alex Ferguson. Yeah, and just if I think if you were a player under Fergie, that if you could just get through that that period, and he knew that if they could just get through that period, then there was obviously potential there, and and they did, and history speaks for itself. Um, Patrick's Evra, where are we thinking? I'm thinking B for Evra. Yeah, all right, we're going to B. Um, yeah, so we've got Nemanja Vidic next, next on the list I was just spoke about there. Uh, part of perhaps the most formidable Premier League partnership of all time. Uh, we may as well say them both. Rio Ferdinand and Nemanja Vidic. They're obviously both going into the top category. Yeah. Do you think the greatest partnership of all time? I think it, it it's I think it's ran close between them and the Carvalho and Terry partnership. Yeah. Uh, when Mourinho first came in, and obviously that that record that they had in that first season under Mourinho, where in in the Premier League they conceded thirteen goals in a whole season. That is outrageous. I mean, that is unbelievable. And I, I that, think when you... that can't get overlooked. I mean, Terry, no, sorry, Ferdinand and Vidic. Probably longevity wise were better, and they yeah. they probably won't. They did definitely win more, I think overall. But it's a close run call. I mean, you you wouldn't be you'd be forgiven for for picking either of them. 
Yeah, I just think maybe with Carvalho, and obviously that that's the thing with a with a centre back partnership, it almost is two becoming one, isn't it? Yeah, because you 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 you're no longer defined by as a centre back. So often you're not defined by yourself, but the guy you've got next to you. And for when you look at Ferdinand and Vidic, you look at Carvalho and Terry, regardless of their individual ability, they were just unbelievably well matched. Yeah, and obviously Vidic, he just had the the powerhouse and just a just a proper centre half, and just would just put his neck on the line, would blocks everything, just be there when you needed him. And Ferdinand, I'm not saying he didn't do all those things, but he was probably the more culture player, yeah, better on the ball, um, and that is just what made them so good. And I mean that Manchester United era with Ferdinand and Vidic really was my my football education really it's kind of where I first kind of started watching the game fell in love with the game yeah so we're going Vidic and Ferdinand in the top tier and then obviously we'll, we'll go on to the player that we just mentioned there Carvalho does he go straight into that top tier as well um yeah I'd say so I think for that for that season alone well the, the, obviously he stayed at Chelsea for quite a number of years but the initial couple of scenes with Terry that partnership that they formed and winning them two yeah. consecutive titles I think he definitely deserves a place as one of the all-time greats. For people that might not be able to remember Carvalho, what what were kind of his key attributes? Was he more of the the culture player next to a, a powerhouse like Terry? Yeah, I think, but I think they both complement each other so well because, like you said earlier, I mean Terry's always sort of remembered, isn't he, as a as the sort of robust, sort of no nonsense centre half throwing his body yeah. on the line, and he did all of that. But he was also, like you said, unbelievable on the ball. And I think yeah. Carvalho was a bit more of the... He probably wasn't as strong as Terry. He probably wasn't as aerially gifted as Terry. But he was just a, a bit of a... He was very sort of silky and sort of... He, moved, he, he was quick. partner. Yeah, yeah. They, they just complement each other so well. And just allowed Terry to, to be to be the, the colossal centre-back he was. Exactly. So, yeah, Carvalho has gone into that top tier... And now we move on to a Liverpool centre back, Sammy Huppier. Um, I don't really know where where I'm putting Huppier to be honest. I obviously remember him quite well, but again, I don't. I wasn't analysing his performances. Um, obviously, he would have never won a Premier League title. Was he was he the main partner for Carragher? Yeah, he was. He was for most of the years. I think he retired in 2009. So, yeah, for the majority of the time, Carragher was there. I mean, he was there and obviously they won the European Cup together. And Would you rank him higher than Carragher? No, I'd rank him in the same. You'd rank him in the same? Yeah. So, should we go in C, do you reckon? Yeah. I think Sammy yeah, Hippie so is going in C. Yeah, and that's the third tier down. So, na- now we've got Sol Campbell, obviously an invincible, obviously... So yeah, he made a controversial move from Spurs to Arsenal, but that was then part of that invincible winning season. Another player that I didn't really get the pleasure of watching a lot of, and I kind of go off what everyone said about him, an outstanding centre-back. And I think, is is he in that top tier? Yeah, I think you'd probably have yeah. to put him in that top tier. He's a, well, he's achieved legendary status, hasn't he? Next player on the list, we've got Vincent Company. Obviously brought that first league title to Manchester City. Just uh, just captain fantastic, really. 
Do you want to add anything on Vincent Company? I know, I know where he's going. He's got to go in that top tier, hasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah, just the the way like similar to sort of what Terry was at Chelsea when that sort of new influx of money and new culture came in, and Vincent Company was there from the very start. When I think he was, he was actually there before. Maybe no, I think he was probably one of Sheik Mansour's first signings at City. I think he was. I think I'm right in saying that he was there before the takeover. He signed. Um, he signed in 2008. So yeah, and he they was either a, one of the first of that. Yeah, so he was there from the start, and I mean, I don't think a lot of City's success would have been possible without Vincent Company in the heart of that defence. I mean, even for years after, I mean, they've had some great players, Manchester City. But you look at teams where they've even won Premier League titles in the last ten years, and he's he's part. He's always partnered. He's never had another really world-class partner with him has he he's always had no it's a good point so 13 14 i think it was they had it was sort of him and dimichaelis all season dimichaelis was not really anything special i mean even in sort of 2000 their first title winning season the aguero moment i mean it was always him i think that was probably his best ever season in the city shirt but well he obviously had micah richards he had micah richards and colo tori obviously colo tori as you can see from yeah. where he is in our list, I mean, what a player he was, but he was in the twilight end of his career, really, wasn't he? Yeah. Going into there. But, yeah, he just sort of epitomises Manchester City as a football club in in modern day terms. I mean, he's he's just, he is Mr. Manchester City, isn't he? Yeah, and just the man for the, for the big moments, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. He, he just stepped up. I mean, obviously, I can never forget that goal he scored against Leicester. Um, I think that pretty much won them the title, didn't they? That last se- that season, um, yeah. Vincent Company into the top tier without doubt, and then we'll move on to the next player on this list who will without doubt be in that top tier. He's arguably pushing to be one of the greatest centre backs of of the Premier League era, Virgil Van Dijk. I mean, I can't speak highly enough of Virgil Van Dijk, and I just think if you look at a defender, I don't think I've ever seen one that can do everything the way he he can. And just the size of him, he's just unmatched. Yeah. I mean, how do you beat Virgil van Dijk? He's, his positional awareness is just incredible. He looks like he's jogging around the pitch sometimes, but that is just a sign of how aware he is and his positioning is just incredible. Um, For me, I, 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 he's the greatest defender I've ever seen. I don't know about you. Um, I think in modern, certainly in the last five years, ten years, definitely. I just think if you look at some of the players on the list, I don't think he's he almost he's, like merges them together. I think you know like he's, 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 he's unbelievable. All in one. He's close up there, but I still think there's a couple up there that are are better on this list. Yeah. Who do you think's better? I think John Terry for for starters is was better um, in his prime, um, and I, I think you could argue Rio Ferdinand in his. I think they're all. I think yeah, but I think he's for me. I think it's impossible to say who's better out of those three, but I think Van Dijk is definitely in the conversation. Yeah, I don't think like there's definitely arguments to be had that each player is better than each other, but I think. The fact that Van Dijk's in that conversation with Terry and, and Ferdinand, because the only player you look at is probably in 
Well, there's a few players in that conversation, but for me, I, I just think Van Dijk's unbelievable. Just well, well, he goes into the, the top list anyway, doesn't he? Without a doubt. Yeah, he does. There's not much, much else to say. So yeah, the last two on the list oh, to finish off our Premier League defenders tier list is Wes Brown. Do you obviously I do, but do you have any sort of recollection of Wes Brown? Yeah, I remember Wes Brown well. Um, obviously, he started in that Champions League final, didn't he, in two thousand and eight? Um, yeah, he also he was almost. He was also people forget he was part of the squad in the. He was on the bench in the ninety nine treble winning final. Was he? Yeah, yeah that, you've, you've taught me something new there. So he's actually got um, two Champions League trophies to his name. I mean, wow. Yeah, that, that is outstanding. But he was never... He was almost... A, was a kind of rotation, kind of squad player, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he had he went through different periods in his career at United when he was the starter. But he was sort of like a versatile sort of... Yeah, like a sort of squad player. But I mean, I mean a very, very high-quality yeah. squad player, yeah. And he played at fullback as well, didn't he? Fullback, centre back. Yeah, wing back, centre mid, all sorts. So, yeah, where are you thinking with with Wes Brown? I think with Wes Brown, if maybe a fair would be C. Yeah, yeah, I think. See. I think yeah. he's. I think he's certainly. So he's we a, basically ended up. We've got five categories, but we've ended up doing the top three categories basically. Um, because still a good way of. They're all too good. Them. They They're are. all too good, and yeah, I, f- I think we could have worked harder to put them into the five categories, but it's fine. It, it, it is what it is. And last player on the list, we- William Gallas. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Chelsea, Arsenal, like a great, great centre back. For me, I'm putting him in. I'd put, I don't know, where are you thinking? I'd probably go B for William Gallas. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll put William Gallas in there. And that rounds off the the tier list here from from what these guys have given us. Just quickly, what what other names have we got written down, West? And we'll just quickly put them in. Yeah. So we've got um, David Louise. Obviously, he's sort of coming as a bit of a a meme, hasn't he? Over his his Arsenal spell. I mean, he's left Arsenal now, but the last few years haven't really shed his career in good light. But people forget the player he probably was. Back in his first couple of stints at Chelsea, I mean, he was a top defender, wasn't he? Yeah, and so good on the ball as well. Yeah. I think he just let himself down, to be honest. Yeah. And for me, if we were putting him on this tier list, I think he'd be in the in the bottom two for me. I'd probably put him in. I'd put him in. I think I'd put him in the bottom one, to be honest. I'd put him in E, yeah. Yeah. And oh, he was obviously, he's worth a mention. He's great, great centre-back and kind of defined our generation, but just let himself down really just like his temperament was, wasn't at the level um, Phil Jagielka Phil Jagielka obviously me and, me and you have both got a photo of Phil Jagielka yeah Good, friend, friend of the podcast yeah uh, we'll get him on for soon. that he goes into the top tier <laughs> um, no uh, Jagielka I think E uh, I, th- yeah, I, think, I, think I think E but it's still like we, we keep having to reiterate this point it's still a very respectable place to be in and that is almost just an honourable mention. These are the kind of players that we believe should have been on there and obviously might not fit into that elite category, but yeah. still had very, very uh, respectable Premier League careers. Where's Morgan? Now, Where's Morgan is obviously is an interesting one because this kind of is where you blur the lines of how are we ranking these players? 
because in terms of an achievement in the Premier League, he's he's hard to hard to rival really. And yeah. with he might not have won five Premier League titles, but the one that he did was possibly the most impressive of, of them all. Yeah. And he was obviously the captain as well. Mm-hmm. And a few years before, he'd been playing for Forest and looked like he was going to finish his career as a, a respectable championship centre-back. Came to Leicester from Forest, might I add. And just was just everything we needed, really. Like, he never went beyond the basics. Like, he did the basics incredibly well. He was obviously an incredible leader. But... Like he wasn't obviously he didn't have the technical ability of of some of the players we've discussed, but just did everything you needed to do. And as a centre back, that that's all all you can ask for really. Mm-hmm. If you lead a team and you set the tone and set an example for the rest of the players, you don't need to be this all encompassing player. Like you don't need to be this amazing attacking player. And Wes Morgan was kind of just a prime example of someone that the cards that he was dealt, he just used them to their absolute maximum and for that I'd put Wes Morgan in probably the B category to be honest oh but lad we, but this is what I'm saying is in terms B. of blurring the lines it, but we're not talking about just like their ability here we're talking about what you've achieved Jamie Carrigan never won a, 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 a Premier League title look at some of the teams he played in like Carl Walker, like a pretty average footballer, has been playing in outstanding teams. He still is a great player, um, and I didn't want to. I'm not just. Tear, I don't want to just tear Carl Walker apart. But look, I mean, look at Wes Brown. I had a great Premier League career, but he never captained a team to win a league, and pretty much dragged a team there. For me, I, I think in these tier lists, it's not just about ability. Sometimes you'd have to look at achievements. And yeah. That achievement from West Morgan is just it's unmatched. I'll go with that. Yeah. I think I think I fought my case pretty well there. You've watched him far more than me. I mean as a Leicester yeah. fan, so I can take the reins with United players and you can obviously Yeah. If... I think but you can't, it doesn't even matter though. Like surely from an outsider you can look at that and look at that achievement and think No, of course. He, the, he led it. He he was the captain. Yeah, of course. And he didn't put a foot wrong. And you look at, I think as well, you just look at like what he did with what, he wasn't blessed with pace. He wasn't particularly great on the ball. But like what he did was just unbelievable. And he, he just was always in the right place and was just everything we needed. And leadership as well, just before we move on, leadership is a very hard, like there's no metric for leadership. You can't like, there's no attribute, there's no rating on FIFA or what have you about leadership. And it's kind of defined by the way everyone plays around you and I mean look at that defence he had he led a defence of Robert Hoof Danny Simpson and Christian Fuchs and and made them into title winning defenders I mean that that is just an outstanding achievement right who else we got mate Jan Vertonghen uh, Jan Vertonghen I mean we'll, and, we'll uh, and Alderweireld yeah so Alderweireld and Vertonghen for me would, would wouldn't even make it onto the list in my opinion I just I've been really disappointed with both of them. I think the level they were at, I don't think they ever, well, they've not got anything to show for what for, for the level they've reached. And I think they've trailed off really badly as well. I think near the end of their careers, they've they've not aged gracefully, have they? Mm, I'm not sure. I think 
Might be a little I bit harsh. I don't think they're anywhere near the players they were, lad. And I think they're both prone to mistakes. I think they're just... I just don't... I'm not... I, I think in terms of Spurs players from that, that era of Spurs players, they just let themselves down. And there was... When you saw players, and again, when they played against Chelsea and when obviously Hazard scored that goal, and in, in, you saw as well in the Champions League final against Man City, they lost control. And players like Alderweireld and Vertonghen are the players that you look to, to to influence the rest of the team and keep everything in order. But not only did they lose those key games and lose out on winning a Premier League title, lose out on w- winning a Champions League, but they lost all respect. Like they they complete they completely capitulated, and it was just so clear that I don't know whether they lacked a, a leadership figure. I don't know. I don't really really don't know what happened with that whole crop of Spurs players. I just I didn't. I just they that they kind of lost all respect for me. What do you think? Sorry, I've, I've waffled a little bit. I think they'd probably if on a good day they might sneak into the the bottom tier, but like you said, yeah. they've they haven't really got anything to show for. It. I mean, it's not sort of a. It's not going to be a, a an important sort of part of this this podcast, is it? Whether, no. whether they're look, in it or not. No, but I think it is interesting though because I mean, look at all of Alderweireld and I mean Vertonghen as well. But they were they were seen as like top top tier centre backs in their day. Yeah, on the day, and they they were they were close to. I mean, there was always talk about Alderweireld going on to somewhere else, wasn't there? Yeah, and I think he, if he want, really wanted to, he could have pushed for a move to a to a bigger team. Right. Any what should we finish off? What are the what are the remaining? Johnny Evans, Robert Hoof. No, the last two. So Johnny Evans and Robert Hoof. Um, for me, Robert Hoof would. I, it's a tough one, isn't it? Really, because it's hard. Like it's like you with the Manchester United stuff. I mean, where do you draw the line? Because Hoof was obviously outstanding in that in that Premier League winning season. Uh, was was probably the better centre back out of the two, to be honest. Um, obviously he didn't captain the side but was a captain in his own right scored key goals as well against the likes of Man City a header against Spurs which I was in the away end for for me it's, it's a tough one really because I, it's hard isn't it because <laughs> like, I can't I, I can't put all Leicester's players in the t- in the top categories but I think I'd put him in C yeah if, I, if, we, if he was going to make our tier list yeah, obviously just the one below Wes Morgan but outstanding because he had a good career as well I mean uh, yeah no yeah that wasn't even the, the the only Premier League title he won I mean he won a Premier League title at Chelsea yeah Johnny Evans Johnny Evans like again he's won Premier Leagues um, Champions League did he win a Champions League yeah yeah. did he win one in 2008 yeah so yeah. he won a Champions League and the longevity of his career is just is so impressive and probably the hardest thing to achieve and we talk talk about that's that's when I look at likes of Vertonghen and Alderweireld because I don't know their exact ages but there are there must be around the same age as Evans maybe even younger uh Johnny, um, uh Johnny Evans is older I mean look at yeah I mean like Vertonghen's at Benfica I mean um Alderweireld's playing in Qatar now and I think exactly. they're 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 all sort of a couple of years younger than Johnny Evans, and look at the level that Johnny Evans is still performing to internationally and with his club. Exactly, and you just look at like drive, like the guy must have just a will to win, and a, not even a will to win, but just a will to to continue his career. And he could have so easily just let his career just fizzle out after the um, out after Manchester United and. Obviously, leaving there, he went to West Brom, didn't he? From United, yeah. 
Yeah, so obviously he went to West Brom and he was outstanding for West Brom as well. And it was even linked to the likes of Man City and possibly even a return to United after what he did there. And then obviously came to Leicester and there's obviously Leicester, we've been blessed with some with some great centre-backs over the years. And obviously Harry Maguire, I mean, we can talk about him briefly, but I Johnny Evans I rank top for me in terms of recent memory, in terms of the recent kind of Premier League centre-backs we've had. I rank Johnny Evans right up there. You see the difference when he comes back into the team. Everyone, everyone steps up their level, um, and you almost you can see it. Even it's even more clear when he's not there, because players like Siunchu that rely on having Evans there, just their level drops completely. And I think, yeah, I, I, I for me, I'd put Evans. I think he'd be in in that C category. Um, I don't know if you agree. I'd see pushing on B maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. I, I mean, I was just being careful, to be honest. No, I think I think Johnny Evans. Like, he's it's one of them ones, isn't it? You mean he's he's not he's not a stylish name, doesn't? No. But he's certainly one of them. Probably the most under appreciated, underrated uh, players I think we've seen in Premier League history. Probably. I mean. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, the way his career sort of took a second, like you said, took like a. Almost took second win since he left United. I mean, he was yeah. he's a player now that like you look at Manchester United's defense now and how 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 much could they do with someone like Johnny Evans in there? Yeah, and, and you, you just wonder why you ever let him go. Yeah, I mean, the, he played quite a lot in his last couple of seasons. I mean, under Moyes, one under Van Hal, and he made quite a lot of mistakes. and And it's strange because no one, when he left United, no one was remotely bothered at all. I think that's probably given him the motivation to go on and show, not necessarily show Manchester United because he's moved on, he's achieved other stuff now with other clubs and that won't be in the back of his mind. But coming through the academy and getting sold in the end and not trusted enough by new managers, I mean, that will have definitely played a part in the way he's got a second wind of his career and really gone on to show the sort of player that he can be. That's what makes it all the more impressive as well, because how easy is it for, and how often do we see it when a player they they get dropped by a team like that, and they do just let their career just run out, and yeah. I think yeah, I think that's why it's so impressive, and it's such a great player to finish on as well. Right, guys, there you have it. There is our Premier League all-time defenders tier list. I'll go through them all now. So we've got three categories. We we didn't actually no, that's a lie. We have got the the bottom two. We've got the we've got we've we've got the we've got the Tottenham category at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Tongan and, and Alderweireld have got their own category, but yeah, I'll go through them all now. Uh, so in the in the three categories that we used, we've got Ashley Cole in the top one. We've got Dennis Irwin, Gary Neville, John Terry, Yap Stam, uh, Tony Adams, Nemanja Vidic, Rio Ferdinand, Sol Campbell, Ricardo Carvalho. Vincent Company and Van Dyke. Then in the second category, we've got Gary Pallister, Colo Torre, Marcel Desailly, Martin Keown, Patrice Evra, and William Gallas. And then in the third category down, we've got Jamie Carragher, Carl Walker, Ledley King, Sammy Huppier, and Wes Brown. Make sure to let us know, guys, what you think of our decisions. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of controversy around these things. Um, I think that is the end of the, the Premier League all-time tier lists trilogy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we didn't get time today to do the goalkeepers. 
if you guys really want to hear our opinions on the goalkeepers, let us know and we'll, we'll do a bonus episode. Uh, so it won't, won't be part of the normal weekly schedule, but we'll get it recorded and get it out for you. It'll probably be like a small half hour episode. So if that's something you want, make sure to let us know. Um, have you enjoyed the episode, West? Are there any you're looking back on and wishing you you maybe put somewhere else? No, thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I think with these things, you've got to have the courage of your convictions and go with what your gut feeling is. And I mean, like you say, football it is at the end of the day. It's not that serious. It's just opinions. I mean, we've yeah. all got our own opinions. Some of the some people listening might think me and me and Joel are they're idiots, and some of our opinions yeah. are way off the mark. But at the end of the day, it's just all a bit of fun, and this is what we what we think. Yeah, and it's important to say as well that me and Westy are the same age, but are about five days apart. So we've obviously got a very similar football in education, and obviously Westy is knows a lot more about history, a history of the game than I do. But if you guys, if there's a, if there is an opinion that we've got way off, let us know. Educate yeah. us on these players. We've, we've, it's all opinion based, and I'm sure there's there's players on here that meant a lot to your club, or and then probably players that you thought should have been mentioned. Make sure to let us know. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed doing it, West. I always enjoy doing these tier lists, and I'm looking forward to first and foremost the Premier League coming back this weekend. So we've got some some club football to talk about. Yeah. Brilliant. Enjoyed it, yeah. mate. Nice one. All right, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, make sure to follow the podcast if you are enjoying it. Therefore, you'll be notified when a new episode is out. Uh, every we, we release episodes every Thursday. Uh, you can follow us on at Divided Opinion on Instagram, where we post daily content, articles, etc. So, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for joining me, Westy, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Lastly as well, we are going to be doing our Premier League predictions in our own time and then we'll be updating you guys next week. Uh, currently the table stands, I think I think it's 26-25 to Westy. So it's hotting up the title race. It really is, it really <laughs> is. Yeah, so thanks for listening guys and we'll see you soon.